Well, you may be seated, and I want to introduce myself in case you don't know me. My name is Doug, and I am the middle school uh, and worship pastor, and right... Cool. Got a little cheering crowd. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm guessing there's a lot of middle schoolers involved in that, which is fun. So I wanted to welcome the online folks as well. I know that you got Chad on there right now. Uh, I, get to, I'm, I got a little connection with the, the online stuff too. So that's really cool. Chad's on there making things happen. Um, and then Jim is in the booth making all that happen too. So welcome to you online as well, not just to the folks here, but definitely welcome to you. Now, this morning we are starting, like, like Matthew mentioned earlier, we are starting a brand new series called Refresh. And with refresh comes the concept of, you notice it says body, mind, and soul. And I get to take this first part, the, the concept of resting your body. And this is a hard thing for some of us. We struggle sometimes with resting, especially in a culture where things are very, you got to keep going. You got to push through. You, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you keep going and you push. And then at some point down the road, there's that kind of golden opportunity of maybe retirement, maybe, Right? And that's, that's going to be the day of rest. Or, or as some people say, I will sleep when I'm dead, okay? I'm just going to keep going until then, and it's probably going to happen sooner if you don't sleep now, just so you know, okay? Heads up on that. But when we think about rest, we have different concepts. We have different ideas of what rest even looks like. I know for me versus, like, my wife, rest looks very different. For me, rest is like, it's like a nap. That's what rest is in my mind. For my wife, rest in her brain is Everything is clean, and everything is where it belongs. That's rest. And then she can finally relax a little bit. I'm like, we'll get to that later. That's fine. I'm going to take a nap. Obviously, we all have different concepts. Some of us even, we have this concept of rest. Now, we, we think of the weekend, right? And, and you, you're working for the weekend. Finally, we get to that time, and now you work hard so you can play hard, right? That's kind of, truthfully, that's the way that, that I in some senses, was raised with. My dad, man, he works hard so he can play very hard, right? Or we think of holidays. We think of vacations. Even this morning, it was kind of fun. Matthew brought up while we, were, we all gathered together at the beginning of the, the morning here, all the different people in different ministries, and we pray together. And we kind of get to know each other a little bit too. And one of the things that Matthew asked was, okay, say your name, and if you could be anywhere, on vacation anywhere right now, where would you be? And I thought it was interesting hearing that actually gave me a little bit of material for this right here. But uh, one of my good friends, Caleb, who's in middle school, he mentioned wanting to go to Disneyland. And I've been to Disneyland a few times. It's a lot of fun. But I will tell you, Disneyland as an adult with kids is not a place of rest. <laughs> if you've ever been to Disneyland with kids. Now, if you go to Disneyland without kids, first of all, it's a little weird. Okay? Just saying. Now, I've done that, okay? I've done that with my wife. We went to Disney World when we were in our mid-20s, and we were the weird people. But if you've got kids, you go, it's not so weird, but you know that it's not restful for you. You know that everything's marked up about three times the price that it should be. The lines are long. For some reason, they stick them in the hottest part of the country, whether it's Florida in the middle of a swamp or it's in California in the middle of a desert. Like, I don't know why they chose that in particular, but for some reason, it's just like, you've got to stand in lines, and it's going to be hot. That doesn't sound very restful. Okay? For me, and this is something I said earlier, I'd love to be up in the mountains. There's a, there's a little property that my grandmother has with a cabin on it. I'd love to just take a nap in that cabin. That's what I would want to do. But what does Scripture say? Because when we talk about rest, rest is important. We know that it is. And did you know that God even ordained rest? But he ordained rest in a certain concept, a certain context, and what it's supposed to look like. And do we know what that is? So today, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 12. Now, I've got this cool little slide. 
I'm trying to, trying to follow with the theme that we've got going, and, and um, Pastor Scott's done a great job of trying to help us understand where the books of the Bible are when we're looking for them. So Matthew, it's easy. First book of the New Testament, it's most of the way towards the end, but not quite there. About two-thirds of the way through the Bible, you'll hit Matthew. Um, and it's the first of the four Gospels. It's quite possibly my favorite Gospel because it's just so chock-full of great stuff in there. Now, um, if you've got your Bible and you want to read along, that's fantastic. If not, it's going to be on the screens here. But we're going to read together a passage where Jesus talks about the concept of a Sabbath, and he gets actually called out by the Pharisees, and we'll see how he responds there. So if you would, would you stand with me as we read God's Word? And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 12, 1 through 8. It says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You can go ahead and have a seat. And this is an interesting passage because Jesus starts referring to something that we are somewhat unfamiliar with in modern culture, and it's the idea of a Sabbath. And that is the idea of rest that was created by God himself. And we're going to go back to the passage about this in just a second. But God himself ordained rest in a certain context, a certain idea. And actually, in some ways, this is where we get parts of our calendar even. Think of the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath was specifically the seventh day of the week. And that seventh day marks the end of the week. Well, how many days do we have in a week nowadays? Well, we have seven. Why don't we have ten? You have ten fingers. There's ten, you know, we count in tens. Why are there seven? Because of this. It's actually really cool. So we're going to look at this passage. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 2. And, uh, oh yeah, sorry. I'm not very good at this. I'm not great with slides, just so you know, okay? But yes, this is our first kind of fill in in the blank here. So the Sabbath was meant as a law meant for good, okay? A lot of times when we think of laws, we don't think of, like, really necessarily a good thing. And that's because, unfortunately, governments are usually where our laws come from. Well, I guess that's not unfortunate, but it's unfortunate because governments often use laws for their own benefit or their own power, those types of things. Unfortunately, governments can become corrupt corrupt in different ways. And so when we hear about laws, we hear, oh, great, another law. Well, a law from God is a law meant for good. So let's read this now, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 through 3, and this is his example. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the, his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, if you've read the Bible very much, if you've read Genesis at all, I'm sure you came through at least the second chapter, and you understood this concept that, yeah, God created the, the, the universe, everything, six days, seventh day he rested. We all know that God does not need rest. In fact, the scripture is very clear that God never sleeps, he never slumbers. He is never unaware of what's going on in his creation. And yet, he specifically takes a moment, a day, 
and rests, even though he doesn't need it. Why? He does it specifically for our benefit, to explain to us that we need it. All of creation, in fact, needs it. There are very few things in creation that don't need some sort of rest. Even the, the plants and, and the trees, they go dormant over the winter time, right? Animals can't just go 100% of the time. I think the only exception I could think of is sharks because they can't stop swimming or else they die. But I think they even have a form of rest that they have. God created his creation to need rest, and then he created a form of rest for them, and in particular for us, and that is in the form of the Sabbath, that seventh day, okay? Now, with that, we understand that this was a commandment from God, but it was codified, if you will, into law later on. And this happened in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. And this is the fourth commandment. If you've ever heard of the Ten Commandments, this is commandment number four. So this is the Sabbath law. Here's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, and here's a reflection of that other passage, for in six days God, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, I think we need to, to emphasize something here, that concept of holiness for the Sabbath. It wasn't just a day off. It was a day set aside to honor the Lord. And that's something that we sometimes disconnect from in modern thought, is the day off is a day off. It's a day for me. But truthfully, the Sabbath was meant as a day for the Lord. And sometimes, in, historically, we've even referred to it as the Lord's day, whether we understood what that truly meant or not. Now, with that, you need to understand that this wasn't the only moment of rest that God gave to the, the, his people, the Hebrews, at this point in time. In fact, he gave several different pieces, and they go all the way down from just moment by moment, all the way up to a greater piece. So I want to look at this. So when we look at, first of all, this, this fourth commandment, I want to show you something really cool about it. In this, we see, now, I kind of know that I, I shrunk down the commandments a little bit. I tried to summarize them, so it's not exactly the phrasing that's in Scripture. But I wanted to show you something really cool, is you've got these first four commandments, and they talk about our relationship with God, right? No other gods but the one true God. Don't worship created things. Don't create things to worship, right? Don't take the, the name of the Lord in vain. And then this fourth one, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. But what's really cool is this is actually, in a sense, a traditional, or I mean, a, not traditional, a transitional commandment because that is the transition from the spiritual into the physical. Everything else is physical. It's our interaction with other people, right? Honor your parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet. Those are all ways that we interact with each other. Now, truthfully, you could try to lie to God, I guess, but it's not like you're ever going to actually deceive him. These are all how we interact with others, but this is the one transitional piece, that, that piece that both connects us to God and prepares us for our connection with each other because that rest is necessary, all right? So we're going to move on from this. And I want to show you the many different ways that God has given us rest. Because it's not just the weekend. It really isn't. He's given us so many others. So this first one, daily moments of remembrance. 
Now, I know you might think that doesn't sound like rest necessarily, but I want to, it connects with all the other ones. So in Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19 says this, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. I think it would be between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of, of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. So there's this command to dwell upon the things of God, his commands, his laws, his statutes, just the relationship that we have with him moment by moment by moment. And this is even reflected in the New Testament where if you've ever heard the scripture, pray without ceasing. There's this constant communication with God. Well, how is this rest? Because that's the point of our rest is to focus on God. So moment by moment, we need to be prepared in any moment. God, I'm thinking of you right now. Help me in this moment. God, thank you for whatever, whatever, God, the things that you've given me. Whatever it is, as you go through your day, these moment by moment, these moments of rest, because rest comes from the Lord. Rest doesn't come from what we do. Rest comes from God himself. He created it and showed us how to do it. Now, so we go from moment to moment, and then, of course, the next one is uh, this weekly Sabbath day, and we already went through that whole thing, so we're, we're just going to bypass that for now. But we've got moment to moment, weekly Sabbath, and then the months. So we've got days, weeks, months. And these are festivals. Now, know that God didn't set it up as every single month there's something, but he set it up as actually seven different festivals. And remember that number seven. We're going to come back to it in just a bit. But seven different festivals throughout the year. Now, these are what we would today call holidays or what they called holy days. We have a nice tendency. We're, we're always in a rush, so we just combine words. So it's a holiday. It's not a holy day. That's just too much work. Holiday's better, right? So a holiday set aside by God himself. And what were these holidays? These were, these were real cool holidays. We're not going to go through all of them, but think about Jesus died at the time of the Passover. That was a festival, a feast even. Now here's the scripture that, that goes along with these holidays. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. So he's explaining this concept of I'm setting aside a time. Now, know that these feasts were actually meant as also a way to take care of those who are poor. And this actually reflects a little bit back to um, the concept of Ruth, where we were in that passage, where it was, it was in a sense God's welfare system for his people. And in fact, it says in the scripture that nobody, that there would be no poor in Israel as they follow these statutes. It's really cool. So these feasts where those who had would provide a feast for those who didn't. And they would, at that time, remember something specific. So the Passover was to remember how God had saved the people from the hands of the Egyptians. If you've ever read that, really cool. And there are other ones as well. You've got... Uh, uh, oh, my brain's going to go blank. But there's plenty of them. Okay, so go, go back to that, that passage, Leviticus. It explains all the different feasts that they were supposed to do and how they would relate back to God himself and remember what he'd done. And this is an important part. I want you to get this. Rest, as identified by God, as proclaimed by God, as created by God, is meant not just as rest. It's, it's supposed to refresh. It is supposed to be a time of remembrance, and it is a restart right? A restart for the day, a restart for the week, a restart for that season, for those months. And then the next one, we even have within the years. Every seventh year was called a Sabbath year. You notice a theme with sevens, right? 
it's a number of perfection. And we're, gonna, we're, we're still not going to get to it completely yet. There's one more. It's really cool. But Leviticus 25, 3 through 5 says this. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. This is cool. This is really cool. In other words, now how many of you would love to just take a year off? Just next year. I, that sounds like fun to me. That sounds pretty cool, right? And we actually have this sometimes. In fact, even within our church, um, uh, Pastor Jim has, I think it was last year or the year before, he said, you know, We've kind of set this aside, but let's, we want to do this thing where we have what, something called a sabbatical for our pastoral staff to say once every seven years, there's an extended time of rest. Now, we don't, we don't get a whole year, okay? Just We get a couple months. But it's a specific time, once every seven years, that says this time is dedicated to the Lord. It's a time of rest and renewal and remembrance. It's a time of study and time to focus on the Lord between and renew that relationship with God. And this is what God created with his people, Israel. He said, this is how it's supposed to be. Once every seven years, don't plow, don't reap, don't sow, none of it. You let, you let it go. And we know now that, of course, even on a scientific level, this makes a lot of sense. If you continually over and over and over work the soil, eventually the nutrients just go, they just get sucked out of it. You have to let it rest for a time. And of course, there are, we know now that there are some plants that you can put in there that kind of put nutrients back in. But this concept of don't just keep planting over and over and over and over again, because you're, you're actually sucking the life out of the soil. Uh, and I, I saw a really cool little documentary recently about the Dust Bowl. That's exactly what happened. They didn't know how to handle it correctly. And over and over and over again, they kept taking these nutrients out and not treating it well not giving the land its rest. Well, it wasn't just a rest for the land, but it was a rest for the people as well. And there was a whole bunch of other things that go along with it. Unfortunately, we can't get into it. It's really interesting stuff. I encourage you to go look up into it. But one more. Okay. And the last one. Every 50 years. Okay? So you got daily, moment by moment, weekly, once a week, on the weekend, months. You got your feasts and your festivals that happen seven times a year. Then you have once every seven year, years, you have the Sabbath. And finally, on the 50th year, is the year of Jubilee. You've probably heard of this. It's a really cool one. So Leviticus 25.11 says, That 50th year shall be, a year shall be a Jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. Now, this is very similar to the Sabbath year, but basically, now you might be thinking, okay, we saw 7, 7, 7, 7, 50. God broke his, his, like, his like combo breaker right here, but no. What actually happened is he, and, and I don't have the passage here for it, but it, it states it as you have seven Sabbath years and then the year of Jubilee. Now, this is cool. So you've got seven sevens. What is seven? It is the number of perfection. So it's almost like if you think back to when Jesus talked about, about forgiving one another and, and Peter's like, hey, so should we forgive maybe, I don't know, seven times? And then God, Jesus is like, okay, how about, how about this? How about s not just seven times, 70 times seven. In other words, to perfection. And that's what this is. This is, this is seven times seven. It's seven, 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 seven. It's as perfect as it can get. 
Here's the thing that goes along with it. You might notice that there's a lot of time here where the people are not plowing the land. There's a lot of time where they can't reap. There's a lot of time where they cannot provide for themselves. I want to tell you, that's the point. That's the goal. In fact, there's a scripture that goes a little bit before this that says that when this happens, God will provide double the year before so that they will not be in need. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get a chance for rest, or I get a, well, maybe not a chance for rest, when I get maybe a little extra, you know, a little extra bonus or, or, or God's given an extra blessing, a lot of times I'm like, I'm going to take that and I'm just going to use it right now. It's, it's gone in a, in a couple days, right? Get on Amazon. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm getting that thing that I really want. But have we ever considered that maybe God is preparing you for a time of rest, not to squander that, but instead to use it for a time that God is going to provide where he says, I've already, I've already given you what you need. Now take a step back, right? And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we say, I've got a little extra. I'm going to take a vacation. But is your mindset, I'm going to take a vacation, a holy day, a holiday, dedicated to the Lord? Or is it, well, now I'm going to go hit the lake as much as I can. I'm going to buy that new jet ski that I really wanted. And maybe you can honor the Lord through that. There's a, there's a chance, yes. But if your whole intent is to go jet skiing more, you've missed the point of rest. The point of rest is to refocus on God, to remember and to reset. So now we got all the backstory, okay? We're going to move on and we're going to start getting into what this means for us, all right? So the next part is you need to know that rest is going to look different for different people. Like I was saying, maybe it does mean going out on the lake. That might be. That might be where God has provided rest for you. Maybe it means just going back in a room and, and, and just taking some time to yourself. I don't know how, what rest exactly looks for, like for you, but I will tell you this, that regardless, there are certain pieces that are supposed to happen within them. There's this tension between laziness and legalism, okay? And here's where we come back to our passage in Matthew, because what we see from the Pharisees is legalism. But our tendency usually is not that, right? We, when we want to rest, we have a tendency of saying, rest is all about me. Rest is about sleeping the days away. Excuse me. That's the laziness side. So let's, let's look at this. We have the first thing with, with laziness, a response to that is, Sabbath is a moment of rest. It's not a moment of absence, a lot of times we think, I'm just going to check out. I'm going to, because re- I'm resting, I'm checking out. It's not that. But on the opposite side, when we start to go to legalism, we say Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's where the Pharisees were missing it. They were saying, well, hey, how dare, how dare they do this? How dare your disciples go and pluck grains of wheat on the Sabbath and eat it? Which, by the way, was considered work because they were harvesting even though it was just a little, I mean, the, to me, that's like going into the, the pantry and grabbing like a fruit snack or something like that. That's what it is. And they're like, no, that's work. And Jesus is like, uh, that's not the point of this. The point is neither the law, nor is the point absence from the moment. There is a balance. There's this tension where we are supposed to exist. And that means that Rest may look different for you or for me. Jesus even spoke about how for the priests, when would they do their sacrifices? On the Sabbath. Well, hang on now. For the priests, wasn't that their work? Wasn't that their job was 
to do the, the sacrifices, and yet they were working on the Sabbath. And Jesus totally calls them out. I love that how, how Jesus says that. He's like, uh, right here, verse 4, he entered into the house of God. And, oh, sorry, the next one, verse 5. Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, and yet are guiltless? Why? Because Sabbath was created for the man. Man, mankind was not created for the Sabbath. Humans came first, right? God didn't rest and then like, oh yeah, people, people, okay, so that they can Sabbath. He said, no, Sabbath, so there's rest for the people. And so rest for me, I can tell you, is going to look different than rest for you. Why? Because for us as Christians, our Sabbath exists on what day of the week? I'm used to middle schoolers. You're going to have to talk back, okay? Give me something. What day is, what day is our Sabbath? It's right now. Yeah, it's Sabbath. Let's celebrate. Don't do too much work, though, okay? Just saying. Yeah. Today is our Sabbath. And why? why? Why this? Because it used to be the Saturday. And really cool. Okay, I'm going to... I really want a tangent. I love tangents like historical fun fact tangents. Just a fun little one right here. Did you know, for the Hebrews, for the, for the Jewish people, their day starts at sundown? And goes all the way until the next sundown. That's the day, right? And why? Because that's the way God set it up in creation. He says, God created light, said, let there be light, and there was light. He separated light from the darkness. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. I used to think that that was just really weird, that God just... I didn't think he got it backwards, but I was just like, that's a funny way to put it. Evening and morning, that's the other way around. No, I was just stupid. (laughs) No, God, God knew what he was doing. Evening is the beginning of the day. Why? Because I will tell you, the 24-hour system we have right now does not make sense. How many of you actually wake up at midnight to start your day? Yeah, I didn't think so. That's not how we do it. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. Whatever. God makes sense. He truly does. And he says, start the day at sundown. It's starting over. And you begin the day, guess what? With rest. Begin the day with rest. That's sleep. And then you wake up, refreshed in the morning, and you continue on until the end of the day at sundown. Well, along with that, that means Sabbath started on Friday evening. That's why when Jesus was crucified on the cross, they, had, they were like, we got to get him down because we can't work on the Sabbath and sundown is coming and it's, it's already Friday. Interesting that, that Jesus was sacrificed right as Sabbath began, right as the Passover began. Really interesting, really cool how God worked that all together. But we have to understand that that Sabbath was because that sacrifice was meant to happen at that time, right? The, the, the Sabbath and the sacrifice work together. Well, we recognize that Jesus was our sacrifice, but now the greatest part is not the sacrifice, but rather is the resurrection. Because if Jesus had died on the cross and had never been resurrected, his death would have been for no benefit of ours. And truly, he would not be God. But because of the resurrection, which happened on what day? Sunday. Sunday, 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 yes. Because of that, we celebrate. And the Sabbath is, is a moment where we rest, we reflect upon God, we remember Him, and we reset our, reset our week. So for me, my Sabbath, if it happens on Sunday, Sunday's a work day for me. It really is. Now, probably more so for Scott than for me, because most of my preaching actually happens on Monday nights with middle schoolers, but it's going to look different for you. And even this last weekend, I was talking with my wife, and we were going back and forth about how do we do this, because normally we take our Sabbath on, on Saturday. We say this is going to be our day of rest, where we relax, where we focus on God. 
But we were talking about it, and it's like, I've actually got a lot of work to prep for Sunday. How do we do this? Because normally, Saturday's not a big deal for me. Sunday isn't, isn't all that packed as far as my schedule goes to be ready for. I can do the work on Sunday. And so we decided that Friday was going to be the Sabbath this week. And so we did. We rested. We relaxed. We went out for pizza with the kids. It was really cool, right? And we focused on the Lord, and we, we discussed these concepts together. That became our Sabbath. For you, it may be different. Some of you have different jobs that, that require different things. I don't believe that God is working to say, if you don't follow this to the letter of the law, then you have failed in your rest. Because Jesus himself said right in this passage, Matthew 12, it's okay that they are eating on the Sabbath. They need the nourishment. And even Jesus goes even further. Later on, he heals on the Sabbath. And then the Pharisees get onto him even for that. Can you not care for a person on the Sabbath? In order to follow the law? No, of course you can care for people. And in fact, that's where it comes to. It's a law meant for good, not a law meant for restriction. So, I want to, to go on to the, this next point, that this is, this last one, that this is a love in the form of grace. Okay? Jesus created this to show us love and to give us this grace. Now, I want you to know this, and I want you to hear this very clearly right now. When we talk about this, this moment of rest for refresh, right? And it's meant to refresh us as people, our bodies, and even provide opportunity for our souls and our spirit, for our mental health as well. But I want you to hear this. This is not, this is not self-care, okay? And I, and I know that there are some out there who would say, well, but self-care is a good thing. Well, I will tell you, if self-care is the concept that the, the world preaches as self-care, it's not. It truly isn't. And I want to express this. So I, I typed in. I was, I was having some fun with this. I was like, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe, maybe the world's concept of self, self-care is closer to Scripture than I thought. So I was just like, self-care quotes. And I looked it up. And here's three that I found super easy, just in the first, like, top four or five. And here's, here's what I found. So the first one I found is love yourself, okay? And then another one I found was uh, do what makes you happy. And then the third one I found was I deserve it. Okay? And all these quotes. Face value, you're like, yeah, I could hear some chuckles. Like, that doesn't jive with what Scripture says, does it? No, we're going to look at them. Here's a couple Scriptures for you. Okay, so first off, love yourself. John 12, 25 says what? It says, whoever loves his life loses it. Uh Uh-oh. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, I want you to hear this. This does not, when he says hate your life, and we've talked about this before, but we always have to, we always have to be perfectly clear about this. He's not talking about self-deprecation, okay? He's not talking about this concept, don't, don't go and commit suicide. That's not what he's talking about. And in fact, the concept of self-deprecation is just as prideful as any form of pride. Why? Because it's still self-focused. If I say, and, and there are people out I know that they're trying to do the right thing oftentimes, but that concept of like you give somebody a compliment and they're like, oh, no, I'm terrible. That is one of the most frustrating things. Just take the compliment, okay? But if you have that person who's just constantly like, oh, you know, I just, I just suck. You know, I'm just, I'm just a lousy person. I'm horrible. And, and oh, I, you know, I, I try my best, but I'm always failing. That is not humility, okay? That is actually a pride. They are still focusing on themselves, Humility doesn't focus on oneself. Humility focuses on others, right? So we'll keep moving on to this. Um, do what makes you happy, Matthew 16, 24. 
What does Jesus say? Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, when you think of the cross, and here's another little interaction piece, okay? So you're looking at the cross. We got a cool big cross up there. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I don't know who made it, but they did a good job. Now, with a cross, when you think of it, what are the things that come to mind? What are, as, especially as a Christian, what are some things that come to mind? What do we got? Give me something. Jesus died for me. Yes, you guys don't have to whisper. I'm way up here. I've got a mic. You don't, okay? Help me out. What else you got? Jesus is no longer on the cross. Yeah, that's good. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Suffering. Okay. You all are ruining my illustration. <laughs> no, but okay, when I, I actually, we did a, a passage that involved this particular passage on, um, a couple Mondays ago, and we talked, I asked the students, and they said, well, it, it's a symbol of hope, isn't it? It's a symbol of, of joy, even. It's a symbol of just Christianity. In fact, I would say more than the Jesus fish, more than that cool little dove with the thing in its mouth, right? This is the, the cross is the greatest symbol of Christianity in the world, and we are meant to bring hope, the good news, the gospel to the world. And yet, when Jesus said this scripture, take up your cross and follow me, he had not yet died on the cross, which means there was no hope yet in the cross, which means the cross was Jesus saying, pick up your cross and follow me, was the same, was tantamount to saying, pick up your guillotine and follow me. Pick up your noose and follow me. Pick up your electric chair. And they didn't have those back then. But nowadays, pick up whatever. And, and even worse than those, because a lot of those are meant to be quick and relatively painless. It's more like pick up your torture device and follow me. Does that sound like do what makes you happy? I don't think so. Now, truth be told... This is a statement, and all of these are statements of salvation, about salvation. The concept of to deny yourself is to follow Christ. In other words, I don't no longer belong to myself. I belong to Jesus. But that's the whole point. My desires will become his desires. So yes, at some point, I could truly do what makes me happy because what makes me happy is what the Lord commands me to do. But unless that's true... Doing what makes me happy will lead to destruction. No, just really quickly, this last one, the I deserve it. And this is the one, most frustrating one. I deserve it. Well, what is Romans 6.23? And truthfully, Romans 3.23 together, they say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then for the wages of sin, so everybody sinned, the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. Oh, but here's the good news. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's not about what I deserve. It's about God's grace. Again, this is God's love in the form of grace. It's not about me. It's not about self-care. It's God's care for his people, for me. Am I worthy? No. And yet, I am counted worthy because of Christ. But I myself am not. I don't deserve it. So for me to pursue this rest for my benefit is to miss the point. I pursue this rest to honor my God, because he's the one I'm living for anyway. So we're going to move on from this. I'm going to look at a life lived for God. This emphasizes our need for God. Again, talking about that year of Jubilee or the, the Sabbath year, it forces us, it forces us to take our eyes off of ourselves, to put our eyes back on Jesus where they belong, and to say, I can't do it on my own. And in fact, a lot of people think that that taking rest is a sign of weakness, I will tell you this. If you can't take rest, if you can't stop, that in and of itself is a sign of weakness. It means that you think you are the one that everything, everything depends on. 
And truly, it isn't. Does your world revolve around you or does it revolve around Christ? Because it's meant to revolve around Christ. So that means that we must trust that God will provide in our absence from the work. We have to. That's the whole point of this. Now, we rest to focus on God. And during our rest, it's not a Sabbath if there is no remembrance of God. It must be. There's, it's not meant for escapism. It's not, it is a recentering instead on the one thing that actually matters. So our rest happens. Oh, yeah, there's this whole part. Oh, we're going to have to go quickly through this because I'm already out of time. Here we go. So instead of the, the self-care, here's what God's care for you looks like. Humble yourself. James 4, 8 through 10. We'll read this great scripture. Draw near to God. One of my favorite scriptures, by the way. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. It's that whole point of, and, and by the way, this was written to Christians who were very prideful. And when we find ourselves being prideful, we think we can do it all on our own. It says, no, no, no that do what makes you happy is, is not going to work for you. It's all about you. No, it's supposed to be all about God. Humble yourself and let God exalt you. And the next one, find joy in all things. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This was written to a group of people that were under great persecution, trials and tribulations. And what did God say? Be joyful. Oh, that doesn't make sense. No, be joyful. Rest in God, and you can find joy even in the most chaotic moments. Now, this last one, trust God's provision. Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says, are, you, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So God is, God, he's taking care of you. Again, God will provide. You are not the center of your world. Truthfully, and it's a hard concept. You think of, we often think of our lives as like our, our, a movie or something like that. Like, I am the main character in my life. No. I am a supporting character at best in my life. And that's the way it's meant to be because God is supposed to be the hero. If I'm the hero, this is going to be a tragedy, okay? There's going to be some like Shakespeare tragedy level stuff. And it's going to all end up in a bunch of death. But instead, God is the hero. And he is the one that I am supposed to be playing a supporting role to. My world revolves around him. Now, last little bit, I promise. We're going we're gonna to jump ahead to this, this primary application, okay? So, how to rest. I want to show you, and it's very simple. How to rest. How to apply these Sabbath principles to our lives. The first piece is to plan. You have to plan it. If you don't plan it, it ain't going to happen, as somebody who struggles with plans sometimes, I will tell you this is absolutely true. Real life experience. Plan it or it won't happen, okay? Set aside specific times, specific days, right? Your day of rest. I think that's probably the, the biggest one to focus on is that day of rest. But also in particular throughout the week. When are you spending time with the Lord? When are you resting? At the beginning of the day or at the end of the day? Whatever it might be, wherever you have, are able to put that time aside, set it aside and then protect it. 
okay? The next thing is prepare for it, and this is that aspect of, of protecting it. Prepare for your rest. Ensure that you have eliminated or at least minimized distractions. If, if you think that you are going to rest when the house is a mess, uh, when there's chores to be done, and when the kids are running around still in their pajamas, you know, completely unbathed, it ain't going to happen. It's just not. You have to prepare for it. Just as, as it talked about in the scripture, they said, God said, I'm going to provide for you extra the year before the year of Jubilee, but you have to actually take that and use it appropriately. So take, plan that time of rest, prepare for it, and then the final one is be present in it. Don't, you, every rest should not be a nap, okay? It's okay to take naps as your rest, but if every, every rest is a nap, then you're doing it wrong, okay? Because that means it's all about you. But you remember, we need to what? We need to rest, we need to remember, and we need to reset. Those are the three big things, okay? So a Sabbath rest, again, will look different for different people. Maybe your week doesn't exactly follow the seven-day schedule, whether because of your job or whatever it might be. Maybe your schedule moves around a lot each day. That's very possible. But don't expect it just to happen. Be intentional with your rest. Make it a part of the rhythm of your life. Make it a part of your family's rhythm. It is important. It is meant to help you trust in a God who provides. So, make it as important as if it were a law. Because, by the way, it is. It's right there along with don't murder and don't commit adultery. If you think those are important because they're in the Ten Commandments, this is too. But also remember that the Sabbath is meant for man. As God said, I require mercy above sacrifice. It's not, it's not we weren't created to be Sabbathers. Protect your time with God but be open to him, using that time to teach you new things, even things that might go against what you planned for. Prepare for what God has prepared for. And then the rest, this rest will give you a chance to renew your mind and restore your soul. Pastor Brian will be talking about this next week of, of the concept of renewing your mind. But I want to end with this last piece, this, the greatest, I think, statement of rest in Scripture. And this is Psalm 23, the statement from a perspective of a sheep looking fondly at his shepherd. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.